Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, I can feel it now, Aaron. We are getting in the rhythm. We are. It's Monday. It's 5.30. We are a stone's throw away from the Mellow Mushroom, and it is time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Here you are. It's time. I'm here. Caleb's here. Yeah, all right. Randall's here. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to introduce these guys? Why not? I mean, sure, they're in the ahead. room. Well, this son, Caleb, is drawing a pizza. Okay. Pizza. Oh, no, it's a face. I only saw the teeth. Okay. More like <laughs> chiclets. <laughs> and across, well, you should introduce Randall. I mean, I was, this is a random stranger to me last Monday at the meeting after the meeting. Uh, and you snagged him right away to be a guest on the podcast. Well, you said this guy's interesting. He is very interesting. He has interesting. philosophical thoughts. He's a young man who I've known for a very long time, but have gotten to know better fairly recently. He and I are started to walk on a fairly regular basis and talk about deep things. Yeah. Well, I. And he's I a young guy. Perhaps he is representative of a generation. Is that kind of what you're working on? No, not necessarily. I would not put that on him. He wouldn't want that on him after our brief, brief <laughs> times talking. I love just talking about him. He's got I a can. microphone in front of him, but no, we're not going to let him talk. We well, can let we're, him we're blame our generation. Later, you're jumping straight to the guest part of this program. Oh, we're you? just going to have him sit during the next part. Sure, let him listen. All right, then uh, we won't say who he is. <laughs> That's fine. I'm going to learn. Yeah. <laughs> no talking. <laughs> you haven't been introduced. It is spring in Tennessee, Aaron. It is. And uh, you have not experienced, have you ever experienced spring in Tennessee before? Or spring? I, <laughs> spring at all? Yeah. That was a California slight. <laughs> I, I'm, I feel like I've, I only come to your house in fall or spring, so oh, I'm okay. sure I've come in spring sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's summer that I don't think I've experienced since 1986 in okay. the South. So, but but already, isn't this glorious? It, oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. how was your Easter? We sat outside and ate. We took our table out. Well, excuse me, Samuel and Caleb, who's sitting next to me, took the table okay, out okay. on the porch. We ate our dinner. They played some Settlers of Catan. We played poker in the dark out there, and oh. it was perfectly nice all night. It was yeah. great. We had a fantastic day, too, and spent half of it on the front porch with family, with kids and grandkids running around. It was awesome. Yeah. Well... There it is. Porches, the South. Yeah. By the way, I did get an update. Mint juleps. <laughs> Mint julep. That's a drink, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're going to have to tell me I don't do mixed drinks. They okay. scare me. Uh, I don't either, but it seems like a Southern thing. Oh, does it? Yes. See, you've you've lost me both on the uh, mixed drinks and the Southern thing. Okay. Should have directed that towards Randall, but he's not allowed to talk. That's what you said. Uh, <laughs> Jump in any time. I how he switched that to you. So... I did want to note, you know, we're talking Southern things. Uh, Darian, who has come to the last two Pirate Monk retreats, uh -huh. sent me a note from Canada and let me know that Canadians also keep their licenses. So it still just keeps coming in with people telling me. Well, let is, me read that. Oh, oh fine. Let's open the, open the mailbag here. because that, yeah, yeah. that was one of the ones you wanted to read, was just the Californians are weird. All right. Okay. I can take it. All right. So we get this. Oh, that oh that's from Darian. I got another one from another, uh, from Charlie, a different Canadian. Apparently, the Canadians are up in arms, man. They are writing to, yeah. to, uh, to straighten you out. So I, I was upset that, well, no, I wasn't upset. It was curious that when I got a car... I bought a used car. The lady took away the license plate. I'm like, I need a license plate. Why are you doing that? And it just confused me because in California, you sell a car. You you can have the license plate. There are plenty of people uh, serving their time that are going to provide another one for me. Is that, is that still true? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know if they still make them in state well, penitentiaries. Well, that's, I, I still just picture like it's going to be provided for me. Yeah. So go ahead, read it to me. Another okay, Canadian. Okay, so, so you heard from a Canadian uh -huh. who wanted to set you straight. I also heard from a Canadian, uh, Charlie, uh, from Sex Smith at Alberta, Canada. That's, apparently that's a place. Uh, says, uh, hey guys, hello from some monks north of the border. Love what you guys are still doing. Been a monk for three years now. Listen to every podcast. A friend of mine attended a Promise Keepers event that Nate spoke at years ago. He mentioned Nate's book to me. I resonated with it, and the rest is history. We are still struggling to gain traction as a group, but the faithful are 
ever grateful for a safe place to be real and move forward together. Thanks again for being faithful to what God has called you to. I wanted to add my two bits to Aaron's question about license plates uh. and traffic circles. First of all. <laughs> oh, no, it's both of them. Here in Alberta, when you sell a car, the plate comes off. It's registered in my name. It's my plate. I transfer it to my new car. I assume when you sell a car in California, you contact registries right away to inform them that you sold your vehicle. Here, photo radar speeding tickets go to the registered owner of the plate. If I didn't take my plate off or inform registries, I'd be getting a ticket in the mail if the new owner leaves my place and blows through a construction zone. I don't want that. No, the plate comes sense. off. Regarding traffic circles, <laughs> the inside lane has the most versatility. The right-hand lane is much more restricted. Here's a great... He sent a link to a video that will explain it. Okay. I and just, he said that in Alberta, it's on the driver's exam. How to use a, a traffic circle. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Charlie. I want to know if Charlie likes the voice you gave him. Uh-huh. Uh, I give the same voice to everybody. <laughs> I'm going to give the same voice to to a lady in just a minute. I, I want to hear Charlie's actual voice. He's like, so in Canada, <laughs> we take our license with us. It's registered to me. Uh, I just love is, that we... Is that what you think Charlie sounds like? No, I'm just saying it would be awesome if it was. And okay. He's, and he's hearing your uh, impression. I just love that we've got more consistent response to my comments about license plates and that traffic circle than anything we've ever asked for. But I'm also finding it fascinating. And I will, like, forward me that email. I, I will watch it. I, I still think what he's going to show me is a much bigger traffic circle. I just don't understand that one. Who would use the middle one? You could never get out because it's so small. But... All right. Okay. All right. I, but I thank you, Charlie. Thank you. All, All right. right. I'm forwarding the email to you as we... Speak. It's happening right now. Hey, um, I got another interesting letter this week that is certainly uh, worthy of the podcast. Got this one from a lady. Not that the other two weren't. Right. The yours was also worthy, Charlie. Darian, very worthy. Okay, but now we're getting down to business. What really what this podcast is all about. And this podcast, popular to, you know, the popular misconception is not about license plates and traffic circles. This is about something, it's about recovery and other stuff. So we got this letter, and by the way, thanks for writing, Charlie. We love it. Um, this one uh, comes from a wife. She writes, and I'm just gonna use the same voice. I don't know, why would you say that? <laughs> it's like? cool. Okay. Please don't do a woman's voice. I feel like that'll be way more offensive. Nate and Aaron, I am a faithful listener to the Pirate Monk podcast. I've also been thankful for the new online women's support group that's being offered. Even though my schedule has only worked out for me to attend a couple of meetings online, I am thankful to belong to our group me chat. A few weeks ago, I wrote something as I read a verse and thought about the wives of men struggling with sexual brokenness. I was able to share it with Aaron and some of the other women, and I wanted to share it with you as well. Hope it's encouraging. All right, this is from Paige. It's called Singing Warriors. And uh, it's prefaced by a verse from Zephaniah, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So here's what Paige writes. We serve a God who is a warrior who sings, and he enables us to be singing warriors. Just as he fights for us, he's invited us to join him in the battle, and the enemy is not our husbands. The enemy is the one who's ensnared our husbands, the one who's deceived them and blinded them, the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, the one who uses darkness and hiddenness, who tempts, and then, when the deed is done, heaps on shame so that returning to God and to us feels unbearable. So we find ourselves here in this place, in this battle that we didn't see coming, that we didn't sign up for, 
It has knocked us to the ground and often leaves us as a puddle on the floor. But again and again, we rise up, slowly, hesitantly, inch by inch, rising to take our place as warriors, to fight against the enemy, to fight for truth, to fight for health. We fight for our husbands, and as we do, we're fighting for our marriages, for our children, for future generations. But even if the marriage is not restored, we choose to pray. We want to see every Christian man and woman walk free of sexual brokenness, walk free of hiddenness, walk free of broken vows, walk free of regrets. God also invites us to sing, to worship Him even as the all-too-familiar tears find their path down our faces once again. He invites us to cling to His goodness even in the midst of the storm. He invites us to join Him in the song He sings over our husbands, the song of redemption, the song of forgiveness, the song of resurrection, the song that calls out the spark that God put inside our men, that image of God that is there that always has the potential to choose redemption, hatred of sin, recovery, restoration, empathy, coming out of isolation and walking in community. We join this song because of love, because even though we've been hurt more than we ever dreamed possible, we also believe in the man we fell in love with. We believe that he can be the man he was created to be. We believe he can't walk in honesty. We believe he can resist temptation. We believe he can learn to love. We believe this because he is God's beloved too. We believe this because we know the God of the impossible. We believe this because we believe in the power of the gospel, because we believe in both truth and grace. However, if the man we love chooses to remain, remain in his lies, remain in the darkness, remain in his pattern of giving into temptation, remain in choosing death over life, we will still know that we have a singing warrior who delights in us and who saves us. We know, no matter what happens, we are loved by the one who knows us best, by the one who weeps when we weep, and by the one who understands betrayal all too well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Paige. I don't know what to say after that. There's nothing to add to it. Yeah, yeah. She she took a prophetic poetry and yeah. wrote her own poetry. Yeah. In response. Yeah. Randall, you got anything you want to add to it? Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> that's, yeah. Me either. What a sweet and wonderful thing. Uh, and it reminds me that we've got to get some of those women here on the podcast to talk about what's going on in their online group. I, I love that that is from a wife to other wives yeah. that are in that position. Yeah. But it's also to every husband that's living with. This is, this is for a spouse who's walking through the journey of struggle and recovery with their spouse. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything gender specific about anything she said. Right. It's about trusting God for the hope when it feels like, why in the world should I have hope or continue to give grace or love to this person mm. who's hurt me in, in whatever way. Yeah. So yeah. Should I just, should I just copy and paste that onto this episode's like <laughs> notes? <laughs> oh, we're going to get requests for it. I'm sure. Well, I yeah. may as well do it beforehand then. Okay. All yeah. right. I'll just copy and paste that. All right. Uh, that was uh, awesome. Thanks Paige. Yeah, yeah, I think her permission to do so was implicit in her sending of the email. Do you agree? And, and knowing that we were going to read it, it's, it's already going to be read in this episode. I think it's okay. If you don't like, I can probably edit it later and take it out, so feel free to let us know. Yeah. But I, I would love that to be uh, the, the script, the liturgy, the meditation for many people that feel like, okay, I, maybe I need to read that each morning this week yeah. to prepare my heart for either the success or the struggle Right. That this day may hold. Mm. 
But I mean, I I love that verse about God rejoicing over us and with singing. I mean, yes. How do you not love that verse? Yeah. Thank you, Paige. And listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a minute here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, I felt the burn since the day you departed and talked from the tomb. I'm still healing those wounds, and it holds me down. But made me a man that says, fuck all those rules. I will be who I choose. It's a lonely road with one grip on several psalms and one grip on the gun. And it holds the rope that spins me in circles and dizzies my head and says, sleep when you're dead. Were you ever here or just lost on the surface that at the first touch just evades in the dust? And it pulled me down and showed me my demons lined up in a sequence forming a crack. They were so alone with a piece of happy home that they stripped from the bone. I did not react. I settled my grievance by crafting a mask and I never looked back. Well, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast, and uh, we have a—it's a real joy for me to see who we have at the table today uh, to uh, step into the conversation. I so so I moved here twenty years ago and ran into you in church. How old would you have been twenty years ago? Uh, about eleven. Okay. All right. So you can do the math and figure out how old Randall is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Allie and I became close friends with Randall's parents. Uh, Randy and Lori now serve a church down in Naples, Florida, Fort Myers. Florida. Fort Myers, yeah. Fort Myers, yeah. First press down there, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, so Randall grew up in a musical family. His dad... Uh, had a long career in Christian music with uh, Sweet Comfort Band and Allies, uh, and then a successful songwriting career here in Nashville, writing country hits like Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That? And <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a little song. That's the name of a song? Yeah. That's great. Dolly Parton. Come on. Dolly Parton. <laughs> that was her first cut. She cut their song, Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That? Uh, Randy wrote it with uh, his uh, buddy Bob Carlisle, and they had another big hit with a song called Butterfly Kisses. But that's not Randall. Randall carries the name of his dad, Randy. Randall uh, has become here in contemporary Nashville, a musician in his own right, a songwriter, a session vocalist, very, very gifted uh, vocalist, also a lyricist, and uh, a deep thinker, an honest guy. And on top of that, a barista at the Frothy Monkey. <laughs> so that's where philosophy will get you. It'll get you a good job as a barista. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> there's so yeah. many things. I there were so many things I couldn't say any of them. <laughs> my, my brain locked up with the overwhelming content. So so Randall and I have started walking and talking and just kind of processing life together. And then Randall decided to show up at Samson and then he ran into you and take it from there. Yeah, I, I mean I like we we have Lots of interesting guests. They're like, hey, I just wrote this book. Can we talk about this book? And that can be fun. Sure. Um, and it, all of that, great. No problem. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just nice to meet someone and say, hey, we could have this interesting conversation. It doesn't have to revolve around a product. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but just to have the conversation. So the interesting part to me uh, you know, you you inter- he does great introductions, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. he did the same thing last Monday night, the meeting after the meeting, and I'm like, all right, I'm interested. You you sold him, so I'm buying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but somehow your age came up, and you being a philosophical thinker, and I, I realized, man, I never cared about the generational thing. But when I was in my mid-20s to late-20s, there was an older pastor friend, super smart, Mr. Doctorate Degrees, that studied generations. And I'm like, who cares, dude? Just just rock this thing. Just hang out with people. Mm-hmm. Didn't care because everyone was older than me, so they were all sort of like my parents. I knew how to relate to them. Mm-hmm. Then I hit a certain age where the generation below me got old enough to mess with my stuff, and I started getting really annoyed. And I realized, oh, no, that's why people care about generational things. It's for the younger people. Mm-hmm. And I realized we are a company of men because your generation, you're at the cusp. Or you can say hi because we're I'm, I'm it's here, the longest yeah. introduction ever. <laughs> uh, you're kind of at the end of the millennials. Mm. But these are, I think millennials go up to like 30, maybe 3, 34, 35. Yeah, it's in there. Yeah which means there's a lot of men who say, I want to enter into relationships, authentic relationships with other men. But they will be doing that with guys that do not think like them, Mm -hmm. don't talk like them, and aren't going to hear advice that their buddies would receive, or at least not in the way their buddies would receive it, Mm -hmm. which then can frustrate and annoy us. Now, what generation are you? I'm a baby boomer, I think. I, I would think so. Yeah. I didn't want to. 1956. Yeah. Okay. So we, we represent three different generations here. And what do they call you? Uh, I'm a Gen Xer. A Gen Xer. Okay. Yeah. All right. A boomer, a Gen Xer, and a millennial. Are you a millennial? Is this the start of a joke? Y- yeah. And then whatever Caleb is, we don't <laughs> okay. know what that generation is. We all called. walked into a bar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Caleb had to wait outside and <laughs> hold the dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the the conversation is a number of things. One, it's to give Randall a chance to to talk about some of the stuff on his mind, but from the perspective that Samson guys who are my age, they're your age, yeah. can at least be aware of the differences that are okay yeah. and hopefully take some steps towards knowing how to relate. Now, Randall is not like the rest of the millennials. They're all nuts. He's not. <laughs> no, uh, but if I can interject okay. here, I know it's your interview, but just it's, to set it's, it up it's a little not. bit. It's not. I'm out now. I'm done. Randall, uh, you had the evangelical upbringing, the proper evangelical upbringing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you went to a conservative, your parents raised you in a conservative uh, Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. You did youth retreats. And youth camp? Youth camp, yeah. Any mission trips? Uh, one, yep. Okay, Went mission trips. Um, did you go to a Christian school? Yep. Okay. Um, and do you go to church now? Uh, I do not. Right, okay. And you're very much, I would say, representative of your generation. The, the dropout rate in uh, of kids, have you heard this? The dropout rate of, ki- of kids who were raised going through uh, youth groups in churches 
I think at the age of 25, only 20% of those kids are actually active in church. 20%? Is this is this a Barna thing? Because if he's making this stuff up... No, no, I don't know. It's... I, it's I believe it, yeah. Believe it. <laughs> now, there there does seem to be a trend where they're drifting back toward the church in increasing numbers, mm-hmm. but they're coming back with ideas and perspectives of their own. Yeah. Okay, so this is the hard... Now, without getting into all the details of some of the stuff we talked about, like, I'll let you show prove your wisdom by what you will and won't bring up for our audience. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's that's the scary stuff, that you come back with ideas that don't fit in, uh, my generation can maybe handle it a little bit. Yeah. Baby boomers, maybe a little, probably each generation we move towards, it's like we, the first thought is we need to fix you. You just said mm-hmm. something we need to fix, Yeah. which I've spent a lot of time with that. Have you had that thought? Mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know, we've just thrown out a bunch of stuff. He hasn't said anything. And here we are. But, but, and... <laughs> And the Samson Society is an intergenerational fellowship of Christian men, a company of Christian men. Randall has just, you know, showed up at a meeting. He was one of the—he wasn't the youngest guy in the room, but one of the youngest guys in the room last Monday. Okay. And there are going to be challenges even in Samson for us to walk together when we're coming from different generations. I think that's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, there wasn't a question in that, but <laughs> okay. go. Okay, what, yeah. just give your thoughts on everything we just rambled on about. Yeah, right. Because we're well, old. We ramble. That's what old people do. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's entertaining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just keep talking. I'm going to yeah, go I'll get my muselets. Right um, well, I think, yeah, I think that a lot of it comes from uh, kind of the older generation's need for conservatism and keeping the... Kind of the status quo because that's that's what that's what everybody's comfortable with mm-hmm. their their own paradigm um and uh i think paradigm shifts are some of the most uh intense things that people in general can go through and so when a younger generation comes in and starts giving these new ideas then that's kind of like um it's scary uh because i mean first of all uh, i think the older generation is you know is scared for us, but mm-hmm. they also their paradigm gets uh, questioned, and that's a uh, that's the hard part. <laughs> I'm I've, I'm already thinking. I'm just going to respond. No solution. I'm already thinking what some older people will say when they hear a younger person bringing their new ideas, and they think it's not a new idea. Let me yeah. point to the last thousand years of history and show you how that is looped back up and mm-hmm. how dangerous it is, which goes back <laughs> to the trying to fix it yeah. when whether or not it's a historically new idea, it is a new idea to that person, Yeah, which is where even with that, I want to at some point want to get to how do we practically walk together through things that maybe an older person has thought through, but that doesn't matter. The younger person hasn't. How do they have enough grace to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, but keep going. I just I'm, yeah. I'm gonna stick well, I mean, pins I in these things. I think to, to mm-hmm. get to that point, uh, there's a there's kind of a humility problem uh, with the uh, with my generation. Uh, we were told that we could do anything we want. That we, you know, I mean, we've got Google. We know anything. We can know everything. Uh, it's we have that power in our pocket, and um, so I think that to kind of enter into a, a discourse kind of like that, uh, both parties have to be humble about it, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it's hard for us because, you know, we were told that we were everything in the world that we could be. And it's hard for you guys because you have more wisdom than us and you would just want to give it to us. Well, let's speak to that and, and look at Nate like you're talking to him because he's a baby boomer. Yeah. Uh, I'm still hip and trendy. <laughs> right. That's a that's a crazy thing you just said because in the past, what older generations had to offer were experience, stories, wisdom. Right. Hmm. Now, younger generations don't need to hear anyone verbalize that because right. they can watch a YouTube with five old guys telling the same story. Mm-hmm. So where that there's no necessary place for that transfer of information. Yeah. Like, how does that screw things up? You can both answer that. Well, uh, I think part of it, 
part of the way the, the way it screws things up is it eliminates the possibility for dialogue. You cannot have a dialogue with a TED Talk. You can listen to a TED Talk, but you can't uh, question a TED Talk. Uh, you can't walk, you know, uh, that, that guy's got 10 million views. You can't go for a walk with him for an hour and process how life got him to where he is. And you can't bring your own story into his uh, system and get, you know. So uh, there's really no substitute for actual live face-to-face, nose-to-nose, belly-to-belly conversation, man-to-man. But you still mm-hmm. said dialogue. Yeah. Because I know a lot of older folks yeah. that just want to do a live TED Talk. It's oh, not, It's not sure. a dialogue. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's a monologue that they want a younger person to give rapt attention and respect for. Right, exactly. And I, I, would, I, would, I think that when Randall and I walk... Um, I think neither one of us monopolizes a conversation. Would you say that's accurate? That's accurate, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a dialogue. And I think that's that's actually part of the... The the problem is uh, I don't think a lot of my generation feels like they need people like mentors. Mm-hmm. And I think that having a mentor is a really important thing because you know you have your father figures and you have all these different people in your life that influence you but a mentor is kind of somebody that you choose to uh, to recognize as somebody who can teach you something mm-hmm. um, and so when you are out of that mindset of like a mentor can't teach me anything then you don't listen to anybody yeah yeah what brought you to the place that you thought you needed that um, a, a lot of different things uh, Really, it was just a, a need to connect, I think. Uh, so uh, when I reached out to Nate the first time, it was just I just wanted to talk to somebody who I knew was wiser than me and who could uh, uh, articulate things that I wanted to know and that also could take the kind of questions that I wanted to ask without thinking that I was crazy. <laughs> wow, there's, that's an important piece of the puzzle, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. You want to say why it's important? <laughs> well, no. I think that open-mindedness. Uh, th- I think the challenge as we get older is to remain open-minded. Okay, define open-minded because that's a scary word for an evangelical Christian. Sure. Open mind's an open door for Satan to come in and <laughs> blow up balloons <laughs> and decorate for the party, the satanic party. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, we've talked an awful lot on this podcast about. Um, you know, our human desire for certainty that can be addictive and that can then shut down necessary lines of inquiry, can shut down, conver- you know, conversation, can fracture relationship because uh, we have to be certain in order to be comfortable. If, if my, my certainty has to be in something other than um, my intellectual grasp of an answer, I have to be secure in something else. I happen to be quite secure right now, at least where I sit today in this moment. It may change in an hour, but for now I'm very secure uh, in my confidence that there is a loving higher power that Jesus told me to call Father, who sees me, loves me, cares for me, uh, and in whose hands I am completely safe, and he has a purpose for my being here. Um, and my uh, his affection for me does not de- is not dependent at all on me having the right answer to anything. I'm very limited in my capacity even to understand reality. It's all from where I stand. I'm looking through a glass dimly. Um, so it's foolish for me to hang on too tightly to any single answer to try to find my security there. So when I can put all that stuff on the table, pretty much, and anything is open to question or conversation, then it's easier for me to have it. It becomes easy to have a conversation. Yeah. 
I think that's part of uh, what draw me to Nate was his openness. I mean, you know, he's pretty much bared everything in his life that he's he's done. He wrote a book about it, um, and that vulnerability and he doesn't claim to have all the answers, and that's something that I can really respect because I think a lot of people try to act like they do have all the answers, and everybody knows that they don't. <laughs> so you just said something counterintuitive to every older person that wants to mentor a younger person. Yeah. <laughs> me walking with them means I have answers. They expect me to have the answers. And you're saying, oh, no, that would make such a person disrespect that individual. If you claim well, to have all the answers. All the answers, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if everything's just concrete and just the way it is, then that, that gets into the whole, uh, you know, keeping it the way it was kind of thing. So authenticity is of higher value by far yeah. than expertise. Yeah, um, definitely. Mm. I mean, on that, on that personal con connection level, like a mentorship kind of thing, like, yeah, authenticity has to be there or else you don't, you can't build trust and there's no give and take in the relationship. Caleb, you're the fourth generation in here. Do you have anything to say about any of this? I'm just enjoying this conversation. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm here for the ride. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's Thank back you, up Caleb. a little more personal context. Okay. Um, your life did take quite a dramatic turn. You were a single guy for a long time through your 20s. Mm -hmm. Although uh, you had an ongoing relationship, you just weren't married, right? You had, yes. I mean, you had a friendship. You had a good, close friendship with a wonderful woman. Yes. Oh, well, I had a girlfriend for about 12 years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you know, you're not an impulsive guy. You didn't... Uh, and, yeah. So, I mean, I, I proposed to Allie the day after I kissed her for the first time. <laughs> I did. I got married the day I graduated from college. I was not going to wait another day. Randall took his time. He's Sorry. a thoughtful I'm, I'm guy. I'm just thinking virginity creates urgency. That's the t-shirt, and that's fine. But it's all over that story. Okay. Oh, yeah. But he, well, he took his time. But then you got married, and things... How did life change for you when you got married? And, I mean, has that added at all to kind of like, the, you know, the existential questions. I mean, did it, did it for you? You're getting older. How's that affecting you? And did, was that a factor in your saying, hey, maybe I'll talk to Nate or maybe I'll go to a Samson meeting? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, let's see. Ask the question again. <laughs> yeah, uh, as you're growing older, now you're in committed relationship. I mean, you were in a committed relationship, but you're, but you're married um, this isn't purely, you know, uh, physic, uh, phys, uh, philosophical musings that have no connection at all to relationship and life, mm -hmm. uh, life on life's terms. Yeah. How has um, your life circumstances as they've evolved and your relationships as they've grown affected where you are yeah. mentally, spiritually, emotionally? Um. I think one of the big things was realizing that I I can't stay a child my whole life. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I think, is a pretty big problem with my generation and probably the younger generations is that there's no specific turning point in their life where it's like, all right, you're a man or you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're a full woman now. Um, I mean, we have those those social initiations like graduation and you know getting a driver's license and that kind of stuff is um you know those little marks of through the passage through time um but when you come to the realization that it's only up to you to really grow mm. yourself uh then that is sort of an existential crisis because then who are you to try and fix yourself Mm. Uh, and that's when I think that reaching out and finding somebody who's who's wiser and who um, is you know somewhat grown up at least to, uh, <laughs> occasionally yeah <laughs> well what <laughs> to uh, you know just kind of learn from them and open up that dialogue that uh, 
probably wouldn't be there unless I personally reached out because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you're a busy guy and you wouldn't ever know that I would want to just hang out with you if I didn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's, that's part of the problem is kids don't really know that they can reach out Yeah. Uh, to the older generations. Um, I don't know if it's out of just an inherent distrust because like they want to stick it to the man or something, or if it's, they didn't, they never got the opportunity yeah. uh, to say that they wanted help. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, um, getting married and, um, just different, different life circumstances, uh, you'd figure out that you can't stay a child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just thinking of uh, like an older guy, like Nate, not like me, um, <laughs> like his age. You, your generation, it's pretty terrifying because I, I think things were pretty simple philosophically. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, before we had these phones that were mm -hmm. an extension of our brains, and I, I am serious about that. This is, I know everything my phone knows because I can. Yeah, get it. Yep. So it's an external hard drive of my brain. So if you know, I'm thinking of even you know, you know how to use the internet and things. Yeah, I know guys who don't really use the internet, so they know what they know. And then to think, oh, I'm supposed to have a conversation with you. What if you start pulling stuff out? Like, there's a lot of things that your generation would be intimidating to a lot of other older guys. Yeah. So how do they even approach this? Even if they said, wow, what you just said was amazing. You hit a life stage where you can't be a child anymore. You acknowledge that. That's pretty awesome. And you're willing to have somebody with more experience to invest in you. And something in their heart goes, ooh, I would love that. Oh, crap. He's got a phone and the googly thing. <laughs> <laughs> and all the other things that can be scary. How, how, how do you even start to find the courage to do that? Well, first of all, I got to tell you, it was... I, it was such an encouragement to me when Randall, you know, said, hey, uh, you know, would you like to get together sometime? Because I've always got this voice in my head that says, you're Grandpa Nate now. You know, you're aging out. You're becoming irrelevant. You're not going to be able to relate to the young, to the kids no more. Um, and, and to think that I might still be able to, uh, to, to be of value to somebody uh, Randall's age. That was a very, very, that was a great gift. And then come to find out, we're really not that far apart. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, he's grown up. <laughs> yeah. And I have. I've already been so, mean twice. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. to answer that no, no, last no, no, one. No, 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 no. So, uh, yeah, so. Uh, so we're here. back to the where do they start, though. I mean, you realize that in part because Randall reached out. Yeah. What about looking across to Samson meeting at a young man, they're not reaching out. You're like, maybe I should say something. It's like a first date situation. It is. Yeah. We're like, how do I approach the girl? I mm. don't know. There's rejection present. Yeah. So what do you think of Randall? Should an, should an older guy who sees uh, a younger guy who seems he probably is ripe for a mentor, but he, he's, he's not going to have the moxie to step up and ask somebody. Should the older guy make the old the first move, and if so, how? Say, um, young man, you look lonely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I'd recommend it. <laughs> Come to my van. Yes. Um, uh, well, I think uh, a lot of it would probably would have to do with the approach. Yeah. Uh, like if you come to a, a a younger person and immediately just like, hey, you want a mentor? I, I don't think that that kind of I don't think that would work so much. Um, but if you do see somebody who looks like they might, you know, need some help, you can just offer to, you know, get coffee yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, exchange phone numbers and be like, hey, if you ever want to talk, yeah, I'm here. Um, so you can make that initial like, hey, I'm here. Look at me yeah. um, without kind of forcing that uh, that name for the relationship kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, everything you said mm -hmm. is a guy who says, I have something to offer that guy. Yeah. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, you don't know him yet. So what you're mm. really offering is to hear their story. Yeah. Not to make any relational offers, 
Yeah. Right. So that's important, I think, for us to know. I, yeah. You can approach a person and say, hey, haven't, haven't seen you before. I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. Which is, I want to hear from you first, and then I'll know if mm-hmm. and what I might have to offer. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, keep exactly. going. Yeah. You, you're no, on I mean, track. It, it's, a, it's a connection, I think, is what it all comes down to. Uh, when somebody's looking for a mentor, they're looking for a connection to something outside of themselves. Uh, and it doesn't you know, necessarily have to be looking for a mentor. Um, it's just, you could just be looking for somebody who can talk to you and who might be able to understand and listen to your story really um like you said uh so it's the that's the beginnings of basically a mentorship you just you get to know each other and just be friends <laughs> so i think it was kind of easy because i've known nate for so long to reach out to him and you know be like hey let's meet up um because i i already know him yeah. uh, and he knows me pretty well so uh it was already kind of a built-in uh, trust agreement yeah, yeah trust um so it was it was a lot easier for me to reach out to him uh whereas probably for most people it's not that easy <laughs> yeah the relationship has to be developed for sure yeah there has to be trust for uh, for you to really want that mentorship okay so what the, the thing that's needed most is a person who's willing to listen a person that just shares honestly from their life, not someone who has memorized the whole chicken soup for the soul <laughs> so that they can index it in their mind and come up with the right quote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the main things is uh, coming from a place of non-judgment. Uh, if you if you come to somebody and you lay your soul out to them and they judge you, you're never going to talk to them again. <laughs> and you might not talk to the next three people that you should. Yeah, and you're just going to go uh, into yourself and... Okay, yeah. okay, so let's unpack that. That's a, that's a scary and hard thing. You talked about being open-minded. Mm-hmm. I was only sort of joking that for a, a lot of the way many of us were raised, that is a door for Satan. Right, right. So right. being able to listen to someone without judgment is not the same as having to agree with them. Right. Yeah. So explain the difference practically. How do, how do you navigate that? Well, first of all, you can almost always find, at least I can, always find common ground with anybody. Um, I don't agree with any of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I understand that completely. <laughs> I, I feel that way as well from time to time. <laughs> Darn it. Got me again. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? I think that it is important for us as Christians to be honest about our doubts and uncertainties. Um, We don't have to get together to pretend to be more certain than we are. Um, And I did that for a long time. Um, And that's especially useful when we're talking with another seeker, another searcher, somebody who has kind of put it all on the table and said, I'm a seeker after truth, and I'm not satisfied right now that everything that was bequeathed to me is true, but I want truth. So everything can be questioned. Uh, and I'm and I'm taking new suggestions or old suggestions, and I'm going to try things that have been rejected by uh, my forebears. I want to give them a second look to see whether I agree with whether they were should have been tossed out or not. Am I am I yeah. tracking your thinking? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, personally, I think it's I, I, it's exciting to be able to go there. It's uh, it's good to have the grace to be able to go there, um, and and I need to be able to bring my own doubts and uncertainties to the conversation. Okay. I will take that as a certain kind of person, mm-hmm. and you were prepped through your children yeah. over, over a lot of years yeah. to feel comfortable saying those things. So now let's speak to the person who is certain about Right, what they believe, but they also 
want to be whatever the version of open-minded yeah. without those words. Yeah. I, I want to be able to listen. That's what it is, really. Yeah, I right. want to be able to listen, but I also don't want to have to question my beliefs to do that. Mm-hmm. So you're saying an important thing for some people is just don't lie about your doubts. If you have doubts, bring that. That's going to be an authenticity right. for your younger friends. Okay. The people that don't feel like they have a lot of doubts, mm-hmm. how do they start? How do they listen without feeling that they have to be open-minded to change all of the beliefs they hold dear? What would you say, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just asking questions here. You're, you're the walker and the walkie. Or... <laughs> what, what would I say? I don't know. I wasn't thinking about it. Well, how, why don't you start? Do you have any thoughts, Randall? Uh, well, I think it comes back to judgment. Uh, so, like, I mean, you know, we're always making judgments in our minds, uh, but we don't necessarily have to show it. Um, That's, yeah, that's kind of you. That's a very gracious way to put it. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like you, you can listen to a person, and to me, open-mindedness doesn't mean that you have to believe what they believe. It just means that you accept them for what they believe. And there's a there's kind of a wall between you and them where you know, like, you can believe whatever you want, I'm going to believe whatever I want, and I'm not going to judge you because you think a different way than I do because we're all humans and we're all different. Mm-hmm. Humil- humility plays a huge role in this. Right. Yeah. That if if I feel comfortable with what I believe, I don't have a lot of doubts about it. The question is, can I trust God with you? Or do I have to fix you? Mm-hmm. And so for all the most well-intentioned people that have no question of their faith that I know, mm-hmm. the blind spot is often the, and so I have to fix everybody. Yeah. And all that's saying is the Jesus that I'm so confident is so powerful and so sovereign is not nearly powerful enough for this idiot, <laughs> so I'm going to take over from here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think everything you just said, wrapped in humility, and the humility to know that I didn't come to any conviction overnight. It was a process. And right. if I don't allow a pro, and it was a process by which I thought the Holy Spirit participated. Mm-hmm. So all, all it means is I can listen to you and trust that there is a process and there is a Holy Spirit and you're going to mm-hmm. arrive somewhere. Yeah. And, and then there, I think there are moments where it's clear that, hey, especially when you're invited, when you're invited in, being, being an older person, you're like a vampire. You're not allowed in until you're invited in. You can't mm-hmm. go in the house and suck people's yeah. necks yep. unless... Is that a rule with vampires? I am. Mm-hmm. I am. I don't know anything about vampires. I've seen a few movies. I don't really know. I guess it's all okay. different. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know a whole lot either, but I thought that was a rule. There's like I have wooden no idea. Stakes and, okay, well, if that's... Caleb, I, is, that, is, that, is that a rule with vampires? Are you our I vampire expert? Caleb, he doesn't know. Okay, okay there's <laughs> probably been like two vampire books read... Okay. For the four people here, I think that's a rule. Uh, you just killed and a perfectly fine example. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you have to be invited in, and there and will be right. a time. And when you have that time, then you get to bring your convictions out and say, "This is this is the path I was on," yeah. which is what you really were talking about. I want to hear about another person's journey. Yeah, great. That's yeah. different than I would like somebody to fix me, please. Yeah, yeah. and I think it also comes down to um, the people's. Uh, aversion to questioning things, uh, at least in the church. Uh, You know, we're all taught about blind faith and faith like a child and all that kind of stuff, and it's good stuff. But God also gave us intellect for a reason. Like, he doesn't want us just, like, bumbling around and just, you know, praising him, not even thinking about it. Um, He gave us that ability so that we can question things and we can come to our own conclusions and we can open up discourse and talk to other people about it. And, uh, it's a gift from him really. So I, I feel like if people, you know, it's okay to not question if that's what you want to do. Uh, but I think that it questioning is part of being a Christian. Like it's something you have to go through. And so it shouldn't be so scary. Did you get the feeling uh, that your questions were not welcome at church? Did that play a factor into your kind of uh, decision, conscious or unconscious, uh, not to keep going to church after you left home? 
Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, there were just a lot of different circumstances and yeah. things that happened that uh, kind of, I guess, kind of drew me away from uh, mm -hmm. the, I want to say, institution of the church. I know it's not the right vernacular. But uh, or you know. I like the distinction. Okay, yeah. the evangelical industrial church complex is that? Yeah, what you're no, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but uh, you know, in the in the Bible, it talks about the church as being the is the people. Mm. It doesn't mean you have to go to a place like you don't have to be under a steeple to be a part of the church. Um, so I think it, it's really about the the discourse between believers or questioning believers that really that's that's the foundation of the church because that's that's how you figure things out that is the foundation of the church that's what jesus had a bunch of people hanging out asking questions mm -hmm. where he got to say well you've heard it said but i say pretty sure that's questioning tradition and yeah and searching for the kingdom in the midst of all of this chaos yeah well do you have anything else you want to say kayla before we end this segment well, with the um, mentorship part, I think that me, I don't, I'm 16, I'm not the smartest person, you know, I'm still, I still have a lot to learn, but when you, uh, it should always be the younger person talking to the older person and my, well, usually that's how it is, because being, like, having a mentor, that's like an acquired tr trust, and... It should always start off as a friendship. Sorry, I'm like blanking out a little bit now that mm -hmm. I'm over here on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> a mentorship and it's acquired trust. And I think that younger people are always trying to be the man of the situation, whether in any situation. And I feel like they should always be the one to ask the older person and start it off as like a friendship, lead it on to a uh, mentorship. Being able to accept that this person knows more than me and I can listen to them and accept that. So for the younger listeners who are in their 20s to mid-30s, you're allowed to walk across the room to an older man and say, say I saw you just sitting here and <laughs> I'm interested in hanging out. Hello. Let's start this trust journey together, you and I. Yeah. And you can say it just like that. <laughs> that just sounds creepy as hell. <laughs> So do you have any, before we move on to a break, anything else that you want to say that you think would be helpful in this journey where you've been searching on your own and then wanting to be in community doing that? Um, I think finding the right community is key because, uh, you know, if you're in the wrong community, you're just going to want to be out of that community and then you might not trust community after that. Mm. So if you can find your community, then that's that's a special thing, and you gotta stick with wow, that. Wow, <laughs> that's that's important because I mean, you talked about you know your insta marriage. You know, once once you found a thing, you were yeah. gonna hold on to yeah, it. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous for certain personality types who are so desperate for community. The second they get in, many communities are like, well, here's the first like class or group to come to to become one of us. Yeah. And it's okay to say, no, I just, I just want to hang out. I want to get to know yeah. some people. Yeah. You don't have to commit yeah. right away to a group of people, whether it's in a church or a group. I have been too impulsive in that regard, yes. And then it, then it gets painful and awkward and heart wrenching, really, to back out of a community that you've where they've been, you know, they've been very friendly and they draw, but it just doesn't work. And yeah, well, and for a lot of people, they feel that is so disloyal, like they have to betray their own conscience yeah. to get out of a group yeah. that they never even knew how they got in the group, yeah. but now they're yeah. in the group and there's no way to get out. <laughs> like that sucks. <laughs> that shouldn't be. Yeah. So we're also giving all of you permission to get out of your groups. That's get it. out. <laughs> You know who we're talking to. <laughs> You're not being disloyal. Uh, Samson membership drops by 50%. <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to any of you. I can stop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but that's part of why I love the Samson Society, because it's it's a rich community, and it's a... Inclusive. There's, yeah. there's, and you can leave at any time. You know, that's right. Nobody's going to give you crap over, like, not showing up. Yeah. It's open-handed. Awesome. Randall, 
Thank you for coming to this random invitation from the meeting after the meeting last week at McCreary's. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for inviting me. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be right back here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, thank you too, Caleb, because you are also participant. And we will be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy To be calm When you found something going on But take your time Think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not Explain when I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. And we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast, and I believe we have a relevant, timely piece of mail from your sack. <laughs> from my mail sack. Yes. Uh, hang on a second here. Let me find it. Yeah, Larry writes, this actually, I've gotten this question uh, from a number of directions, not all of them through email. Larry writes, when is Samson's Tennessee 2019 See, Men's he Weekend? Have, he does have more than one voice. That was a decidedly <laughs> yeah, different, a different voice than Charlie. Yeah. Do, okay. Do, do. <laughs> well, I mean, he just wants to know. He says, thanks. Please let me know when is the Tennessee Samson Weekend 2019. I am happy to tell Larry and everybody else that Samson's 2019 Tennessee weekend will be November 2 through 4. First weekend in November. In Eva, Tennessee, that same terrific facility we were at last year. And, uh, and I was going to say, I hope we get the same weather as last time, but we had some rain last time and it didn't even matter. It was still amazing. Oh, yeah. Bonfires down at the lake shore. Yeah. It was awesome. And a special guest speaker uh, on, you know, on the program this time will be Jay Stringer, not as was uh, unfortunately written in the noble briefing that just went out today, Jay Stinger. <laughs> it, it is Stringer. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the author the author of Unwanted, who has also been a guest yeah. here on this podcast. Awesome. Floats yeah. like a butterfly, strings like a bee. It's, a, <laughs> it's incredible. And yeah, just, and look at look up the past one. I love that. That was so fun hanging out with him. So look that up. If you don't know who he is, then you'll get stoked. Then you'll come to Eva, Tennessee, and maybe they'll have another Civil War reenactment during our intimate times of discussion. Oh, it'd be awesome. And I think uh, just five weeks from now, a little over five weeks from now, Aaron, you and I will be boarding a plane along with uh, Tom Mocha and some other guys here from the States to head to Scotland I, I for the Scotland retreat. Ask me about the passport. Uh, do you, did you apply for your passport? I did. All right. So, and it was two weeks after the six week mark, which was the latest mark. So it, it was close to six weeks. So it uh, should definitely be here. Okay. All if right. If not... Stowaway. <laughs> Equally awesome. Oh, it's going to be a great time in Scotland. And then, of course, looking forward to the, to the fall retreat. And we will get that uh, event bright 
registration page up shortly. Keep uh, Just keep monitoring the main page at samsonsociety.com, and the banner will appear shortly. Well, that is all the time we have. Okay. So, go ahead. I was going to take your line because I've never <laughs> done it. And it just felt dirty. I couldn't take your line. Well, by the way, thanks for those of you who've written this last week. We love mail. Thank you, Paige, for that fantastic poem that you wrote. Uh, We'd love to hear your suggestions, your comments, uh, your questions, your corrections, your rebukes, your encouragements. Uh, And you can reach us at... Your traffic training. (laughs) I'm watching the YouTube video. It's going to happen. You can reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. So until next week, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. All right. Okay. (laughs) 